to the life in me. I'm on my knees to the mystery. I live my life. Ready, 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 go. Welcome to the 70th episode of A Breath of Song. I'm so glad you chose to do this today, which is extra special because Lindsay Scott is joining us for a songwriting conversation. <laughs> Lindsay, welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you. Bill Frizzell, jazz guitarist, says you can't wait until you've finished something before you get to the music. We're here to uncover wellness without waiting for anything else before we start singing. Your voice is exactly what is needed for this. I'm coming to you from my home on the unceded lands of the Abenaki in what is now called Burlington, Vermont. Lindsay, tell us where you are right now. Mm. Right here in my heart with you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm in my studio nest in East Central Illinois, so about two hours south of Chicago, three hours north of of St. Louis. Um, if I walk out my door, I can walk for miles and miles of wide sky in, mm. in corn and soy and remember back to what the land was before it was a monocrop and hold in my heart the prayer of what it will be when we remember something else. And before this land was colonized, it was a traditional territory of many people, and I'll speak them here. The Peoria, the Kaskaskia, the Piankasha, the We, the Miami, the Muscoutin, the Odawa, the Sauk and Meskwaki, the Kickapoo, Potawatomi, the Ojibwe, the Menominee, the Ho-Chunk, and the Chickasaw Nations. Such a rich part of the land. Mm -hmm. There's like, so like much wealth in its dirt. Yeah, I like to call it and feel it as the heartland and yeah. be curious about what that means. Yeah. So all of our voices will turn up as they are today. No matter what, we can feel the connection to our breath and vibration in our body. Let's find how good it can feel to sing. Mm. Last week I shared Lindsay's song, Sing Upon Joy, also known as Livian's song. Today, Lindsay will be teaching us Ah, as I relax. <laughs> That's it. Ah, yeah. it needs that, that, that sigh of recognition. That's what I'm doing. As I relax. Whew. We'll learn it slowly so it can settle inside you. You can begin to trust it as a resource. Let it move you into a state of flow. Then we get to enjoy a conversation with Lindsay. And we'll close out with As I Relax again at the end. The beautiful things about podcasts, you can always rewind, right? Mm-hmm. So let's start with a good yawn stretch. Oh, maybe roll your shoulders a bit or stretch into your back. Oh, whatever is calling your body. Oh. And finding space inside. Notice as the air comes in and out, how it can expand. And as you let it back out, let it release something. And on the next in-breath, let it widen your ribs. Feel them stretch apart and release. And on the in-breath, let it go down into your belly. 
Squash your stomach, squish your gallbladder aside, everything moving and release. And feeling it widen your back. And releasing. Maybe scrunch up your face a little bit. Like you're chewing caramel. And use your tongue to kind of clean off your teeth. Oh. And making some squeegly sounds. Squeegly is one of those coral technical terms that you can now feel good that you know. And wide open sounds. And maybe a voice scan kind of sound, letting the sound float from the top to the bottom and just noticing how it feels as it goes through your body. to you, Lindsay, to share the song. Mm, mm. Mm, that felt so good. Let's hear for the breath all the time. Yeah. All the time. Thank you, mm. breath. Thank you, song. Thank you, Patricia, for this place. I just really feel so honored to be stepping into this sanctuary with you and feeling your intention and just like riding this intention with you feels really good to feel my body settle and just join you in a space of sanctuary. And this, this song was designed to help us find this place of sanctuary. The first part of the mantra was dosed by my friend and mentor, Carolyn Griffith, who knows that I can get my panties in a wedgie. <laughs> she was <laughs> like, you know what? You need to just walk around <laughs> saying. Um, so I wrote it by my toilet where I do all my best memorizing work. And then the rest of the song just grew from from really inviting this mantra into my body. It's got lots of layers. So I will intro the layers to you. And then we'll just ride the song and see where it goes and see where it takes us. So here is the first layer. As I rest, I know my needs are met. And I live my life. In joyous anticipation, this draws in what I most desire, so I can live my life in full-on participation as I relax. I know my needs are met, and I live my life. In joyous anticipation, this draws in what I most desire, so I can live my life in full-on participation as I relax. I know my needs are met, and I live my Joyous anticipation, this draws in, this draws 
what I most desire, so I can live my life in full-on participation as I relax. I know my needs are met, and I live my Joyous anticipation. This draws in what I most desire, so I can live my life in full-on participation. I I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready. Ready, Joyous ready, ready, grow. I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready, 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 grow. I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready, ready. Ready, ready, grow. I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready, 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 grow. I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready, ready, joyous, ready. I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready, 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 grow. I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding, open I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding, open I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding, open will. I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding, open. I let it happen to me. I let it happen to me. Molting, unfolding, open. I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding, open. I can feel the future calling, drawing, dreaming, pulling me towards it. I'm letting this be. Oh, I can feel the future calling, drawing, dreaming, pulling me towards it. I'm 
Falling, drawing, dreaming, pulling me towards it. I'm letting this be. Oh, I can feel the future calling, drawing, dreaming, pulling me towards it. I'm letting this be as I relax. I can feel the future calling, drawing, dreaming, pulling me towards it. Joyous and song I actually want you to tell us a little more about each of the lines one of the things that I love about this song is that it has so many different 
entry points, mm. feeling points, emotion mm. attachment points. Mm -hmm. Like today, I was really feeling that I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding, grow. Just that, that sense of allowing, allowing things to happen. So why don't you, could you take us through each of the sets of words? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been fun to, I only ever shared it um, live before all the layers were hatched. A lot of things changed when I, when I made the album this spring, like the songs were like, wait, we're not done yet. We have more to say. Um, <laughs> so I'm totally still learning how to share it live too with all the words and layers. I love it when it all gets going because it feels like, um, it feels like a braiding or a tapestry. Yes. Yeah, like that first layer I mentioned was, that was the original prompt for the song was that mantra that I got dosed by of as I relax, I know my needs are met and I live my life in joyous anticipation. It was, it, it was, it came to me when I... And this draws in, was that the whole mantra? Did you so, add the second yeah, that part? Yeah, that, was, that was the first part. That was what I was dosed by. And mm -hmm. just like being able to be in mm -hmm. a state of faith, a state of expectancy. And, you know, when I, when I brought it into Songland, it was like, no, there's more. And so the second half, this draws in what I most desire so I can live my life in full-on participation came to me to meet that first mm -hmm. half. Um, and it was at a time in my life mm -hmm. I had been very, very still for a long time dealing with an illness that kind of helped, he was a physical and, and mental cocooning, soul cocooning time, where I sort of just felt like mm -hmm. in hibernation or in timeout. And... And it was a time when I was desiring to be back in collaboration, back in the flow of the world, back in the external state of the world. And it was just a helpful way mm. to find my place of faith and belonging and trust desire and trust the pacing to be back in not mm -hmm. forcing things to happen or forcing anything but, al but allowing. Um, and then trusting that relaxation to do the drawing itself. Yes. Yeah. A, right? yin, a yin state. As I relax, it draws in. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Just like being able to be in, in faith and in attraction from a place of, of love. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second mm -hmm. part came sort of as percussive. I'm alive to the life in me. I'm alive to the mystery. Ready, ready, ready. Ready, grow. Which I love um, watching yeah. time lapses of seeds, you know, and they're just like under the mm. ground. The, yes, the, yes. The case hasn't cracked open, and then you know everything in nature arising as as the conditions are ready. Which is something yeah. that people around me keep saying. I'm like, yeah. I need to t tune into that. And so it's like, okay, the soil is here, the nutrients are here, the moisture is here the seed the seed shell is yeah. cracking open and then just from from life design it starts to grow and that like ready yeah. ready it was like oh yeah that's what it feels like it's like there's a stirring okay i'm gonna trust this yeah that sense of energy inside and that it's a mystery that will unfold by itself but here it comes here it comes here yeah. it comes i'm just like learning to yeah. host that life energy and learn to align with it and um and that's yeah. really i think the genesis of the third part I let it happen to me. I let it happen through me. I'm molting, unfolding open of just this surrender, which also to me feels so sensual of just like being able to yes. be in the pleasure of being a vessel, to be in, in the pleasure of like being surprised by what spirit, what life is moving and bringing through us and, and also depersonalizing it. Just like, okay, this is happening. Mm-hmm. 
okay, I know we have another one to go, but I'm just doing a comment that there's such, there's such trust and such pleasure both. Mm -hmm. I love that pairing mm -hmm. of trust and pleasure and release and awareness. No longer a pairing, I guess. I just named four things. So, mm -hmm. but just I love that all of those things are together in this mm -hmm. song. Okay, go on. Yeah, yeah. When I'm worrying about it, I actually can't enjoy it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And then the last part was, it was total a, a collaboration. The producer for this album, Michael Linder, is just a sonic whiz. It was super fun to work with him. And we, we laid down these layers and he would be sitting with it in the weeks between our studio dates. And so then the week after we had laid those down, he texted me. He's like, I'm hearing this fourth part that's like, and I was like, oh, yeah, dig it. It's like that, like, cycling, gathering energy, growing. Okay. But I couldn't find the words. And so I just was like, I just hear it and appreciate it and be like, okay, well, words will come or they won't, or maybe it'll be a hum. And then I was listening to a podcast or a talk by the mystic Orlin Bishop, just a brilliant thinker who I, I really appreciate the way he sees and feels and communicates life. And he was speaking about that, that like there is that healed future and there is that wholeness that is just drawing us towards it. There's that dream that we're all dreaming that we're dreaming ourselves into. And w after I listened to that podcast, the words were just there. I can feel the future calling, drawing, dreaming, pulling me towards this. I'm letting this be. I love that. Just a little while ago, I guess it was almost two years ago now, I found myself on the hunt for, for books that were set in the future, science fiction books that weren't apocalyptic, you know, where it hadn't been that everything went to hell in a handbasket and there were just a couple of survivors. I was looking for the books about the future where it was a healed future, where we had figured it out before it completely destroyed the earth. And I, I guess, you know, I feel attachment to this planet. And so I was, I was looking for descriptions of the future that I could feel drawn toward. I have to say, I didn't find many. So if anybody listening to this <laughs> knows of some, send me, send them my direction, these recommendations, because I'm still looking. Because I was thinking about how closely what we envision relates to what we actually do. You know, think about Star Trek and the flip phones and how that's what we ended up with. Mm. So mm. how do we, how do we be drawn by that future rather than an apocalyptic future? Mm. I'm over here, yes, amen, clapping my hands, snapping my fingers, <laughs> like, yes, that, what is that? How do we get to that? Get us those books. It reminds me of, um, you know, the term I've heard through Adrian Marie Brown of radical imagination, uh -huh. of like coaching our imaginations. There's a mural in San Francisco, just giant, you know, sunset gradient colors with big white letters. It will be more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And just being able to live into mm. that, um, and allow ourselves to be drawn. I'm with you there. Or it reminds me too of, I think it was Lewis Carroll. Um, every morning I, I wake up and I think six impossible things before breakfast. Before breakfast, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember like gobbling up Starhawks, the fifth sacred thing, which is similar to what you were imagining, like these books that give us something else to live into. And it was the first time I'd, I'd read or felt in fiction something other than the like, 
the good guys clobber the bad guys. <laughs> there's a motif in that book. Um, briefly, there's a, a sort of a warring or a programmed society that has like coached these army kind of half men, but also they had been robotized and like all of their humanity had been dumbed out of them and with their diet, with their abuse. And they came to take over this, you know, this hippie love society. <laughs> and the response was, you know, it was energetic and it played out through the narrative. But the, the motif, the mantra was like, there's a place for you at our table if you're willing to join us. Uh, and it just like, ooh, my body, yeah. my cells just like lived into that, into that invitation of yeah. like, you can join us here. Love is big enough. Yeah. So in this, just what we've just talked about, is there anything that connects you to you as a child? Mm -hmm. um, that's a great question. You know, my, my upbringing was, was deeply and fully in a charismatic Christian church. And there was a lot of internalized patriarchy that I that I threw out. I mean, actually, I threw out everything in my 20s. I threw out the baby with the bathwater. But this past decade has been a real journey of reclamation of my original heart of devotion. And there was so much in beauty of the beauty way of how I received that faith. And really that, that love is God is love. And there was a lot of radical generosity and radical community that I was present to. My parents helped mm -hmm. to found a church and my mom, yeah, my mom would just at night get on the piano and chord and sing her heart song. And so I think there was a, I grew up with a sense that, that love is power, that love is all, and that our role here is to praise and to participate with that. And I think it's always been a home resting place for me, even even as I, you know, figure out where and how I participate with that in my life. That's beautiful. Is that one of your earliest singing memories? Yeah, totally. My mom was, my mom is really silly and she's very, um, her spirit is very musical. So everything from those heart songs to like, the song she would sing us when we were on the toilet, come out little beams, come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, or she would help me make up songs. I, I had a lot of fear when I was a child. And I remember one time I was, I think I was water skiing or something and I was terrified to try it. And she, you know, just on the spot improvised a song like, I've got an angel on my shoulder, even when I'm sick in bed. And we still sing that song to each other. So yeah, there was like improvisational spirit song, song as mentor, song as friend, song as just like part of the way we live life was very much a part of my upbringing. Do you know, I think you are the first person that I've met who experienced that. I've met people, you know, who sang songs, official songs, but you're the first person I've met who experienced created songs. Yeah. I have lots, lots to thank my mama for, and that is one thing. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful, beautiful memory. Why do you think singing is so effective? <laughs> yeah, I think of who was it that said, "She who sings prays twice." Do you remember? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Which yeah, who, who I don't said? remember who said it. But. Yeah, I think you know our sound waves our sound waves affect matter. And so we can think something, but then when we speak it, it's a whole nother level. 
And then we, when we sing it, it's like enlisting our, all of our cells into the, just the physical mammal bird sing. We all make sounds and there's something for me that's so, um, intrinsic. And when we allow that to be, we're like connecting to the life energy that's already flowing. So I don't know. Let's keep guessing. Let's keep experimenting <laughs> in motion. Yeah. Yeah. So you've done both singing by yourself with small groups of people, with a couple of people here and there, and with large groups. Can you talk a little bit about how that experience is different for you or how it's the same? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. I led a few song circles, you know, monthly for some years before COVID. But then during COVID, my life shifted drastically. I closed the small yoga studio that I was hosting here in my small town and my work became online singing groups. And so mm -hmm. I, I really developed into this calling of sharing song as our sacred path through really heart field, you know, cause when we're singing on zoom, I, I call it like phantom harmony. We're feeling each other mm -hmm. instead of, instead mm -hmm. of hearing each other, but there were such strong connections that would come. So for me, singing with just a few people there's an intimacy to it whether in person or over zoom and for me it's it's often flanked by some pretty deep heart sharing or of our stories and and where we come from how we come to these songs so for me i love the intimacy of singing with a few and being able to hear every person's nuanced voice and then when i'm at a festival like village fire or like what I've been doing for the past month is going visiting, taking these songs of the album and visiting different communities and sharing song and circle. And for me in, in collective circle, there's such a, a remembering of our collective power of the power of mm -hmm. unison of, of how much more beautiful we are, how powerful and loud and, and intricate all the harmonies can get and how everyone being in their in their voice and their channel creates something that's so beyond what is the sum of our parts mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I feel really new with being part of larger singing gatherings or like it felt like this last month was kind of put together just as a kind of a boot camp to be like okay how do how do I share song with a big group how do I conduct okay louder okay softer okay closer okay further okay singing walking around and looking into each other's faces so I feel just baby baby tip of the iceberg with that practice and yeah for me it feels like it's just a direct doorway into the collective power of our hearts and the collective power to choose and align our 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 sight our radical imagination and to anchor there as a place to act from. So you mentioned your album. I love your album. I adore your album. And I'm wondering how was recording in a studio different again from any of the singing in person? What surprised you as you were creating it? So much. It was never on my radar to do because singing for me is very much something we do in person and an aliveness that, I mean, I love music. I'm like, I, I don't play video games. I make playlists. Like I love <laughs> just feeling and feeling and always traveling on a wave of song. So I really appreciate recording. But for me, I've never had like a recording artist voice. Like I, I've never, I haven't had vocal wounds because singing was so normalized in our house, but I've never thought of my voice as something that needs to be heard alone, like a soloist voice. So I had to overcome that, you know, because I have never, 
it's just always been something to enjoy. And when you record, you're like, dang, that was flat or like, <laughs> so I had to learn like a generosity and a compassion and a, and a trust for my voice as it is, just as it is. Um, you know, in our family, my younger sister is actually a phenomenal opera singer. She's a beautiful soprano. And so she had, you know, the quote unquote special voice. voice. Exactly. Um, and I love her voice and I've, I've always just trusted that mine is, mine is different and it does what it does. So recording for me was a way of really resting in the medicine. Lisa, one of my dear friends, Lisa Littlebird was such an encouraging mentor and really kind of dropped this idea in my lap. She had invited me to record a few songs for her website just for reference. And I was tired of my garage band <laughs> like stylizations. And I was like, let me get a little help. So I reached out to this friend who used to come to song circles, who's a really talented producer. And he was, he was all in. And so, I mean, I think part of the surprise was just the joy of overcoming the vulnerability of like, oh, these are just community singing songs or they're just to be like, how could these be an offering? And to really believe in and stand in the medicine, not just personally, but like, wow, maybe what I need also meets what other people need. And just to like uh-huh. every week bravely be like, okay, here's the song seed. And he would be like, great. And then he would turn it into something beyond what I had heard in my imagination. And it, started to give me this trust um my 20s in st louis were just a total collaborative decade we were making performances and parades and photo shows i was very alive in art and artistic collaboration in my visual artist life and then my 30s was very much like a healing cave and so much of that work was really solo solo journey stuff so the album felt like such a welcome back into collaboration as spiritual practice collaboration as like opening the doors beyond our singular imagination into what we can do together it was so fun i would come back totally just buzz buzzing with energy after we would record and often not be able to sleep because just the pure pleasure of of that play you can hear that in the album you can hear the the collaboration and the and the acceptance of your voice, which is part of what makes it such a welcoming album to sing with. Mm. What I love about your music is that there's an invitation to be in touch. It seems to come from a really connected place. And there's willingness to to be playful. Thank you. I'm so glad that's coming through. I definitely trust when our inner kids like are like, hey, do you want to hang out? Um, and I think that's something I do when I feel like social awkwardness or anxiety is to like imagine that our kindergarten selves are totally just going at it on the playground and like maybe we're fighting or maybe we're playing, but like we're definitely not censoring ourselves. Nice. Nice. I love that. So you mentioned the painting. You you approach life creatively from so many different directions, right? Painting, photography, music, gardening, ritual making, healing. Your work to dismantle white supremacy and patriarchy is done in a creative way. How do you decide what to do when you get up in the morning? <laughs> right? I love that quote. I can't remember, but it's like, ah, I, I'm just torn between do I save it? Do I enjoy it? Like, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, I mean, my practice is kind of a moving target based on where I am in the world and, and what's needed in that moment to bring alignment. But I would say that that is... That's kind of my first stop when I wake up in the day is how can I drop root into beloved belonging? How can I drop root into pleasure? How can I drop root into 
the love that loves us all so much and wants to flow through us. Um, I was was inspired by the Course in Miracles, and and that was my practice for a time in my life. And the question, which comes from that or from Marion Williamson, where would you have me go today, and what would you have me do, and what uh. would you have me say, and to whom, is something that I usually like to feel and say before I get out of bed, and. Sometimes I like to walk out to the earth and do qigong and just remember that, you know, I'm alive with a lot of a lot of love and support and connection and that I'm just a part. Um, sometimes I like to wake up and just grab my drum. Oh, maybe that'd be a fun thing to do is introduce my drum. My drum yeah. has really, like, shifted my song practice and my prayer practice. And definitely during the, the spring while I was... Um, writing the album I would just wake up and light a candle and grab my drum and and feel what was the rhythm coming through what was the melody coming through and to just allow the song of the day you know allow sort of an ephemeral way to praise a way to kind of get an internal vibe of like where I'm at what am I ne- what am I needing um so yeah let me just introduce the drum which which you can't see on a podcast but I'll tell you it's a maybe 16 inch or so maybe 20 inch I don't know um, black circular frame drum and uh, I bought it from Remo it's a buffalo drum it's got a synthetic skin but traditionally it would have been uh, covered in a buffalo hide and this technology is something that all of our ancestors did and played with frame drum is a is found on all continents but this particular buffalo drum is played with a mallet and is most commonly played in like a deep low resonant heartbeat rhythm and the technology is indigenous to turtle island to north america and is used as a central part of prayer practice of of connecting and communing with the heartbeat of the earth it was a brave thing to step into. Um, for a long time, I just felt like, well, number one, I'm not a drummer, but number two, all these drums come from lineages, and I don't know, is that appropriative? Like, I want to check myself as as a white woman, as a descendant of European colonizers, and like, what is my right place? And so I sought out some guidance from our dear friend and beloved song, song carrier catcher, wild minister, Shireen Amini. And I just mm. connected with Shireen, like, I want to mm. I wanna grow this practice. Will you help me think about this in a good way? And so I grew my practice. Shireen encouraged me to go to the drum different ways, in a spirit of, of play, in a spirit of practice, and in a spirit of prayer, and to really research and know and look for teachers. And so in that search of looking for teachers, I discovered a powerful prayer. He's a 12-year-old Cree. His handle on Instagram is Chubby Cree. And the first time I heard his prayers, I just wept. Drumming with the same drum that I have, drumming with his family, drumming traditional prayers. And so I've just been holding this desire to be with this drum in a sacred way and with this drum in the prayer that we are Mm-hmm. utilizing the technology of song and drum to align, realign our relationship to earth and to spirit. And just holding the question, one of my teachers around race, um, Shelley Tuflick, wrote a book called Living in the Tension. of just not really needing to decide on like, well, it's appropriate if I use this technology, so I'm not going to. 
Or, well, of course I can use it. Music is universal. Mm -hmm. But just holding the tension and then learning and growing and being in relationship. And one way I'm finding of being in relationship is to is to be in reparations. So right now my tie is going to Chubby Cree. And I keep reaching out to him being like, dude, can I get on Zoom with you? Will you be my teacher? But he's too busy, I think. Or, um, <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's um, my relationship with my drum is really part of the way that I wake up into the day and find myself in a spirit of prayer and just curiosity. Like that Hafez line of, all right, God, what love mischief can we do today? Yeah. I guess I'm kind of curious to know how much of this kind of practice of waking up with an intention and setting an intention and and listening starting with listening um i i can imagine coming to it from two different directions just from the little bit that you've said you know one would be coming from the charismatic childhood and the christianity where the version of charismatic christianity that i know there's enormous emphasis on contact and listening to god and and prayer so there's there's already this this sense of um, you're looking and you're you're listening for guidance, but the other place that I and, that I wonder about is coming out of healing from. You said your thirties were sort of in a cave. I don't know if you want to talk about why why that was or what what you went through. And you can or you don't need to. Don't feel obligated in any way. But I'm wondering whether whether this came out of part of that practice of learning how to heal and move through that time. Um, I don't know, yeah. take it wherever you want to go with that. Thank you, that's like, I love the questions that you're asking. They feel like these like wide open spaces and it's just, yeah, it's such a gift to be in the generosity of your questions. Yeah, definitely I had a sense from my childhood that we're in a conversation with all that is. And I think the thing that I'm working to heal is that there's no right answer. It's not like there's somebody waiting to punish us when we quote unquote get mm -hmm. it wrong I love Lawrence's song Lawrence Cole's song never gonna get it right can't do it wrong uh -huh. um, and so just learning to trust in that also Howard Thurman's don't ask what the world needs but ask what makes you come alive and do that because what the world needs is as folks who come alive and so that definitely you know encourages me to feel into intuition of just like my body and my friendships everything is leading me everything is guiding me this is one great conversation and like I, w I was making drawings at the beginning of the pandemic that just said love is the punchline. You know, whatever is the question, what we're asking, like that's that's where we're ending up. And I think the biggest experiential teacher of that in my life was absolutely the healing cave that I was in. I was healing through a condition called red skin syndrome, which was um, a result of being being dosed with steroids as a child. It's kind of new, new research and pretty grooty. Um, but I think a book, Love Poems from God, translated by Ledensky, that gathers poems from sacred mystics has been sort of a Bible for me. And there's a poem, everything I could think, hear, taste, feel, touch, imagine is completing a, a perfect circle drawn by God and drawn by love. And I just, I just have that trust through my life. I just have that. I just have that knowing. And so, yeah, earth school. I, I have learned maybe the hard way that earth school is a safe place no matter what's happening. 
and mm. that's that's you know it's a it's a mind fuck i don't know if we can say the, the f word on this podcast it's a it's a mind blowing <laughs> apple comes after me i think okay <laughs> that's what it people to, but yeah we'll beep it um yeah or we won't and we'll see if apple really does <laughs> exist in the cloud so we'll see those. <laughs> yeah. um but that holding that blows my mind because i you know i can look out at the oppression of the, the of the world the systemic oppression i can look at trauma in my own life and other people's lives and there's very much a clear like no this is not okay and yet my mystical self holds that all is love and all is drawing us back to love and i think i just love to to lean into that tension to lean into that seeming contradiction mm. So this last year has been filled with loss for me. And as I've been going through the, the waves of grief as they come and they go, the, the grief has cracked my heart open, this breaking. And it has brought up old traumas, which were partially healed, you know, or things that were, that felt like I could manage until until I added grieving into the mix. And then they become all of a sudden newly tender and fresh and present again. And what I realized this morning was what, um, what an opportunity it has become for me to, to go back again to that baby, that three-year-old, that six-year-old, and teenager and and do more healing work more reclamation of how i could have been parented and ways of of loving that baby who's still in me you know that child who's still in me you know i wasn't going there if the grieving hadn't happened if i hadn't had so much loss that I was cracked open again, because it's so painful. That kind of healing is, is so painful. You've done a lot of work with grief as a, as a healing modality. I don't know if that's a fair way to put it, but last year at one point, when I was sort of halfway through, they weren't, I, I had only had like four of the nine major losses that I've had over the last year, you sent me a, a grief playlist that you listen to. And when I feel a wave of grief coming, I'll still pull that out and listen to it as a way of letting myself sink in and letting it keep moving rather than get stuck. Because there's a lot of fear around grief for me, that it's forever, that I'm going to not be able to come out the other side of it, right? So what am I asking? It would be useful as a podcast question if I had a question here. <laughs> I think my question is, you know, as somebody who works with grief as a healing modality, and I, I don't like, I, so I'll just tell you, I don't like saying, oh, everything's for a purpose. I would just like to say, bleh, on that. I do not believe that any baby gets abused for a purpose. You know, I, I, I don't think that that, that there's, intent or purpose behind harm being done. 
But I do think that the way out of the harm being done, the other side, the way through, that there's, there's an opportunity, not intended by the person who did the harm, but so it's all yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> tell me what you want to tell me about that. Yeah. First off, I just want to thank you for sharing more of your journey. My heart was really just like feeling, feeling your bravery to, to let grief open you. I got goosebumps while you were talking at just how terrifying and beautiful this adventure of life is when we actually dare to love and really just feeling your willingness to be in direct dialogue with life as it's moving just really touches me and I feel a lot of care for your bravery and for your integrity to do the work then that comes you know like you said like this grief arrives and then all of a sudden here with it are all these semi-grieved moments of my life and that's what feels like it's time for on the clock of the world I got to meet activist Grace Lee Boggs once and she asked that question that just rings like a bell in my memory what is it time for on the clock of the world mm. and I really I really feel the power of grief to travel time many of our ancestors our parents our grandparents didn't have the knowledge or the resource or the time to do this mending work and I think a lot of us are waking up to what it is to be holding unmetabolized trauma in our lineages and also to the gift like you spoke there is a gift in being completely smattered and completely surrendered the poet Rumi says that we have to keep breaking our hearts until they open and you know, white supremacy can only exist in a totally numbed out world. And a totally numbed out world is actually not that fun to live in. And so doing this daring work that you're doing of opening our hearts to feel fully gives us access again to what it is to love fully, what it is to be in pleasure fully. So instead of having this little narrow channel where we just smile and be like, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I went yeah. to the grocery store and we get to be these giant beings. The workshops that I've been hosting this year are called Songs to Boost Bandwidth because we need accompaniment when we're going to dare into grief. We need accompaniment when we're going to have our possibilities open of how we can actually love beyond this like small drop down menu that we've mm -hmm. been given because we're remembering together, right? I mean, so many of the options were taken off the menu when we lost village or when our ancestors had trauma that wasn't healed. And I feel like we're just like slowly growing our bandwidth and our ability to personally and collectively meet what it is to live with an open heart. So I'm a big fan of grief ritual. Lawrence Cole, who is one of my first teachers of this way, likes to chuckle and say in his very Lawrence way of like, grief ritual my idea of a good time <laughs> um, but it's so true like there might be nothing that I've experienced in this life that is so I've been a part of and, and been a part of hosting ecstatic grief ritual where we meet together over a course of days to do altar work singing and drumming and wailing and flailing 
as introduced to Western culture by Maladoma and Sabonfu Somme from the Dagaran lineage, Burkina Faso, who were commissioned by their ancestors, like, take this to the West. These folks need it. I like to say that crying is like pooping for our nervous system. And I know that, at least for me, like, there was a decade in my life where I didn't cry. You know, I think I had my first solid cry, like, at the beginning of my Saturn return. And I probably had gone through the years from 18 to 28 pretty frozen. There is this moment in opening towards that ritual posture together where we sit in circle. In some traditions, it's called the communal cup of sorrow. And we might pass together a, a bowl of water, or there might be a, a bowl of salt water in the center holding us. And we all share just a tiny glimpse of the worlds of grief that we're holding. And as we do so, it starts to become alchemized because what I hold alone in my secret self, it somehow becomes, I don't know, there's just a part, when it becomes part, when it's alongside yours, it no longer feels as terrifying because it's out of silence or out of hiding. But there's something that is so powerfully beautiful about how fragile and strong and resilient our hearts are in the face of mm -hmm. such odds. Mm -hmm. And so for me, grief practice has been mm -hmm. a tremendous well of resilience. There's a part of me that's like, okay, goody. Like here's, my heart's going to crack open. Like there's a Sufi poem that's called Joy at Sudden Disappointment. Because as we surrender deeper and deeper into love's mystery, we know that it's beyond what we can fathom. You know, and we know the, the riches of belonging and, and love that are there for us. Your words, what you're sharing, what you're describing sounds so incredibly wise and so incredibly healing and, and beautiful. And tell me, what's the voice in you that niggles, that, that, that breaks it up, you know, that kind of shoots it all to hell. You know, you're, you're in the middle of this beautiful ritual, everything's going well, and then there's part of you that says, oh my God, this is just so hippie. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know what it says, but what, what is the voice in you that, that sabotages? Mm -hmm. Is that okay to ask? Oh, that's personal. You want to get personal with me? Okay, <laughs> you right. want to know my voices. Know. Okay, you're going to still like me after? <laughs> I will still like you. I will probably like you more yeah. if I know you have those voices too. Oh God, too. yeah. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I'm like, which flavor do you want? Um... Well, I'm an Enneagram 4, um, mm -hmm. and if you know that, you know that my cardinal sin is envy um, or jealousy, and so sort of like feeling outside of life and feeling like all the cool kids are over there doing cool things, that's a total uh -huh. voice that I'm like, oh, baby, do you want to, do you want to belong? <laughs> do you want to feel special? And i just like, okay, crawl up on my lap. Okay. <laughs> um, so jealousy and envy is a big teacher for me. Um I like to say that jealousy is just desire without the faith. <coughs> so that's, that's a helpful one to me. Um, I'm 43 and don't have the, the traditional things that mark, you know, maturity. I don't have a home. I don't have a partner. I don't have children. And so there's a voice that, that is also one of my teachers that's, m you know, wiggling me, niggling, whatever you said, is like poking at me from the inside, which is that, you know, that it's too late or that I, that I'm not worthy of those things. That's a place where I have to just like really be like, yeah, okay, that's scary. Like it's scary to be 
living a pattern of womanhood that's outside of what, for sure, what I was taught. And also outside of a lot of what I think is beautiful and meaningful, you know, but just like trusting my own path. Mm -hmm. um, that's a place that I continually have to do work. Um, I mean, God, I could go on. How long do you <laughs> want me to go on for? Because I don't know what it, Well, I, I, thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing those things. And I really, I, I wanted to bring some of them out because I think at least I often listen to podcasts or, you know, read books or things. And I think, oh my God, that person, how did they get there? And how do I get there? And why am I not there? You know, what's, what's going on there? Um, so, so to me, it's, it's help. It's always helpful when someone is willing to say, I, I have, yes, I've done all this work and I, I have accessed all of this wisdom. Yes. And I still also beside it have, have these parts too. Yeah. These voices too. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love being human, you know? Yeah. I, one time I was in a movie, what was the line? Another half-breed God seed, just like the rest of us, <laughs> that we get to be this like weird meat suit that's also divine. And I think the older I get and the more familiar I am with my patterns, like the places that take me out of alignment, the places that bring constriction, the more I also think they're kind of funny. I've received really great teachings of like, yeah, go into that, like actually enact that voice. And so sometimes I'll just like, you know, curl up my body and get really whiny and just be like, oh, yeah, okay, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but I'm just, as, I'm petty. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a hot mess. But I kind of like it that way because, you know, I think that it's just the joy of being human. You know, we get to be messy and totally beloved in our yeah. mess, like that there's nowhere to arrive to. And that's just all right. And I think that's why I love songs. I mean, legit, every single song I sing is corrective <laughs> from my, so, you know, if you want to know what I deal with, you could just be like, okay, what is this song the antidote to? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And I, I, so I describe a breath of song as being a podcast about sharing songs that help us uncover the wellness that's already there inside of ourselves singing to help us heal and adapt and grow. And that's how I choose, that's how I choose the songs that are on the podcast. So same, same thing. And that's how I choose what to do with my pocket song singers. It's like, okay, this week, what do I really need to hear? Those are the songs that I'm going to be singing. I'm curious. So we've talked a fair bit here about sort of our personal reclamation. What role do you see song playing in, in recovering from white supremacy and patriarchy changing that paradigm? Oh, that's a good one. Thank you for asking that question. I'm just going to sit here and breathe with that. Um, like I said before we started recording, I got to watch the Aretha Franklin documentary last night. Amazing Grace and just wept at the beauty, wept at the power of song, wept at what the experience of watching and feeling, even a recording decades later of black church, of congregation, of call and response, of the song we make when we're all in the same song, 
Yeah, I just felt it ministered to me. I felt my grief for the ways I'm still part of and and complicit in so many codes of of white supremacy. Many of us have seen by now a document called Characteristics of White Supremacy. Mm-hmm. And just holding this wound of of separation, really as it was learned by me and learned by many of us and the culture that we created from, you know, being separate. And last night that was just that, that music was just really ministering to me right there of, of what's possible. And also, you know, the grief at maybe like, dang, the road feels so long, you know, we've already done so much work, but also here we are still, um, there's a way that that white supremacy in in my experience feels like it it's you know we're talking at each other or mm-hmm. we're doing at each other but do we still do we know can we remember can we feel back into what it is to be with and for me singing is a doorway to that mm. for me singing together is a it's a direct pathway to welcome what lives between our our heart and our voice and I'm always well I guess anymore I'm not surprised because it happens so often but at first I was the number of people that start crying as soon as we start singing together whether it's the intimacy or the vulnerability or the material from vocal wounding that's that's there but for me and I'm imagining for many of us it is immediately signaling to our bodies village and Mm. in that it's immediately signaling to our bodies what we're missing you know Francis Weller talks about one of the gates of grief being um, is it what we've longed for and never received or what we kind of knew we came here being like, this is mine, but then we've never gotten to actually experience it. So for me, singing is one way of, of walking towards that remembering and then getting us into a position where we're honest enough with ourselves and with each other that we can start to talk about the stories of loss. We can talk about the stories of grief. We can talk about the stories of longing. We can talk about the stories of shame because I know for me in and admitting and seeing my behavior and seeing my energy and starting to understand how it's, you know, replicating scripts that I don't want to be replicating. Sometimes there's this disgust or shame that comes up. And when I can open up to be loved in that place, wow, that's a healing, that's a healing place. So for me, community singing is sometimes I use the words like it's like a gateway drug towards ritual. Like we really get to remember ritual reclamation we really get to remember trance states that have always been a part of of human consciousness and that humans will continue to find ways towards healthy or not healthy i really like there's an episode of the emerald podcast about the human history of trance states and so i see singing together and circle as like a baby step towards all this remembering that starts to flood in yeah Beautiful. What a beautiful context to have for the singing. So I know over the last month you've been doing a lot of, a lot of 
lot, a lot of gathering. And, and I know that, that that's still coming up, right? You still have more things coming and lots of, lots of different ways in which you're gathering people. Can you tell me what you're excited about right now? Mm -hmm. Well, in this moment, I'm really excited about rest because I'm learning like, okay, after in a period of extreme action there, then I get to integrate and just be in that place of not knowing. So in this moment, I'm like excited that I get to like go on a long bike ride on Saturday with my friend producer and we're going to make music in the woods. I'm excited to take my mama out on a date to the theater and just have really been utilizing this this week. I just got back on Sunday from a month of, of traveling and singing. I'm just utilizing this week to to integrate, to really like harvest the lessons. Like what did I feel? What did I see? Where does that lead me next? And to just not know and to dislike just pause on like there's there's lots of things that that are kind of out here. I think once you make an album, you're like, great, I want to do the next one because it's so fun. Um, so there's definitely songs that are like, is it my turn yet? <laughs> um, but what feels so present is my desire to keep deepening into earth kinship, to keep deepening into into grief ritual practice and being in other people's holding and transmission so I can keep learning from them. I'm an image person or a symbol person. And so how I've been holding these song circles is just like imagining what my friend and mentor Liz Rog calls earth churches, places where there is, she hosts a, a folk school called the Center for Belonging. I think of the Grief to Action Project in Victorville as sort of an earth church, a place where there's earth buildings being, being grown to hold and support people of the global majority in grieving. I think of Earth Keepers Wisdom School that I'm part of in St. Louis. Like I think of these places that are doing their, their part to re-whole culture in, in collaboration with the earth. And I think of song as a mycelial web that's mm -hmm. like sending messages and nutrients and codes back and forth through the web. And so, yeah, my practice right now is just to like bless that and feel that and honor the songs that are coming through me by singing them and praying them and just asking, yeah, where, where, which, which note on the web is, is mine to hold and feel and minister to right now kind of vague but I'm like I had a great conversation with my friend who's also a phenomenal singer Lynn O'Brien on Monday and she was like yeah baby you just need to rest right now like just take yeah. that in and so yeah. so I'm remembering the parts of my ego that are like oh, but what am I doing next it's just like yeah I hear you I'm gonna get to you yeah, yeah. I love that I love that the, 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 the idea that rest and integration is part of the cycle of activity I, I did a, just one term with a Danish choral school and one of the things that they talked about was the cycle of the, the chorus learning. It was the first time I had ever seen a, a pedagogical approach that included a rest cycle after the concert, a time of rest, a time of integration, and then before the next cycle started, a time to look at the time and think about, well, what do, where are we led next? What's the next steps? But to sort of put that evaluative brain on hold for a little while, let it rest too while it integrates physically. 
I loved that. I do too. And it's, it's how nature does it, right? Yeah. The first time I was introduced to that concept was I studied yoga at Kripalu and they had this really cool diagram of like soul transformation. And right after a breakthrough, they called it the fertile void. And, uh. and so I, I just like have that. Yeah. Like that love for yeah. like what happens in that dark. And I think that when we participate in that, whether it's personally or in our friendships or in organizations, that that's like a tiny way that we can be breaking that sort of progress thrust of, of white supremacy, of how we've been taught to do things. Mm -hmm. And it's also a way that we can learn to sink back, that we don't always have to be doing or shining or soloing, and that mm -hmm. we can just start to like be wowed by each other and take things in. Like I love... Einstein's like we don't solve things from the same level of consciousness that created the problem and I feel like that fertile void is so intrinsic and in actually allowing ourselves to see from new eyes like what we'll even do next but I know that what I will do next after this show is go track down about a thousand and forty-two links that you've now named that I'm going to have to put in the show notes for here, Sorry so that people that can, can find all these resources that you've mentioned, um, which are just, which is fabulous. I love that. So they just so people know that the show notes to this show, this particular podcast, are going to be the longest in the history of the podcast, and they'll, you'll just have to hunt through them and find the ones that speak to you. I'll totally collaborate with you. I love to send out song notes after sings. And I always like to reference that I was like the student council secretary and just like <laughs> note taking is like somehow oddly pleasurable for me. So I got you. I got you. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. Are you ready for a lightning round set of questions? <gasps> okay. I'm going to take a breath. Okay. Yes. Short questions, short answers, if that's what they turn out to be. What's an album that was really important to you? <laughs> um, Okay, so I'm going to name the first album I bought with my own money. Yes. MC Hammer, Please Don't Hurt Him. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought Barry Manilow. Not that we're doing comparison here. <laughs> I mean, we're all a product of where we are. That was what I really was into. <laughs> I love it. What is your favorite soup? Oh, split pea, hands down. I think oh, I should go. It's with like, or without ham? Um, depends on if my mom's making it for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is your favorite replacement curse word? Now, we know that you don't always replace curse words. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I think they carry like a, a necessary punk a punch. Yeah. But um, if I had to choose, I don't know, probably like dang. Because I just like mm. saying it with a really like nasally dang. I don't dang. know. Okay. All right. Because I know sometimes you're, I, oh, so what do you do when you're around young kids? I know you do, you do work Ooh, with young children. I have to remember before I go in that that's where I am and mm -hmm. and sometimes I forget yeah I I have I have failed in the past and so I'm doing better to remember where I am and check myself but yeah just finding colorful ways to to say what I mean my mom's favorite is oh fiddlesticks so that Chill that was sticks. transmitted to me yep what is a sound that you feel strongly about hmm I mean, probably that one, just like I find that in the way that I listen to my friends and they listen to me, there's often the like, hmm, just like the I'm listening to you hum, um, mm. which I think I would feel really naked if I couldn't do. And I sometimes feel naked when I'm being listened to and there isn't some like 
Yeah, mm-hmm. some, yeah exactly what you just did. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is an artist you wish more people listened to? Well, I was just on a collective grief ritual led by Zahava Greece, and they closed with this song that made me find the whole album. Briani Greenhill is an artist oh. in the UK, and oh my God, that album is so beautiful. And the last song, Thank You For Your Heart, I could play on repeat for hours. It's just, yeah, that, that album is so medicine. So, Before we close, where can we find you and follow your projects or buy your music? Mm, I love that question. Said every artist everywhere through all time. <laughs> My album is for sale on Bandcamp and the lyrics. And if you click on the tracks, there's stories of the song. So that's useful if you're a song carrier. And you can also listen to it on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. I connect with with a small crew through Patreon. It's a really sweet way to share kind of the deeper learnings behind the songs or just the deeper learnings in the process of becoming a song carrier and a priestess. And I don't have any online groups currently currently scheduled because I'm really enjoying going visiting. So if you're out there in podcast land and you want to host a, a song circle, it could be that I'm coming through your neighborhood soon and I welcome you to reach out yeah a huge thank you to you Lindsay for coming on a breath of song and a huge thank you to you our listeners I'm so glad you're singing with us Mm. if you're glad to be singing too consider sharing a breath of song with a friend or on social media said every podcaster ever (laughs) Um, you are the publicity staff we also divvy up the costs of production among a large group of listeners to help please leave something in the tip jar at abreathofsong.com. You can sign up there to join the intrepid band of regular listeners, receive Patty Petrowski's glorious artwork in your inbox once a week or so, along with some crazy thoughts out of my brain, wherever it happens to be the day I write those notes. Before Patty or I receive anything, 25% is donated to the Jazz Foundation of America, which supports jazz blues and roots musicians in need. Let's sing as I relax again to help it settle in more deeply let's do it and I just want to give you a big a big gratitude for all that you're doing and sharing this vision and connecting so many song leaders and really just like infusing this way of being with your with your love and your poetry and your incisive questions thank you so much and my weird and vulnerable sharings that appear periodically the only kind we want (laughs) the only kind Let's go relax. Here comes. As I relax, I know my needs are met. And I live my life in joyous anticipation. This draws in what I most desire so I can live my life. Participation as I relax. I relax. I know my needs are met. And I live my life in joyous anticipation. This draws in. This draws in what I most desire. What I most desire. So I can live my life. For unparticipation, as I relax, as I do the 
Ready, joyous ready, and to say go. just did so yay us if you're liking this podcast please share with a friend and next time we'll plant another song until then be well